23 minutes after 8 o'clock. Well, our man, if he's not in Washington, his uh, mind is certainly very often on Washington and many other uh, political geographic areas. Uh, he is Michael Fragan. He's host of Spin Class on regular Thursday. Spin Class on regular Thursdays here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Today, obviously, an exception since it's Holomoid. We have our music uh, going all through the day. Uh, but he'll return next Thursday with Spin Class, and you could imagine you can imagine how closely he's watching what happened, or he watched what happened last night in Las Vegas. Michael Fragan, Moadim Simcha, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Chagim was waiting about Sasson, and my mind was on Vegas. Yeah, your mind was more on Vegas than on Washington. Uh, your mind was on the big gamble that the American people are about to take. <laughs> I think so, that's an accurate description there. Um, you know what's funny, and I wonder, first of all, one of the things that's that's funny is that I I and I am envisioning in my mind as I'm watching this debate last night, and I remember this because my mother was sick at the time, uh, back in August of 2015, and I remember where where she was in the hospital. I actually watched one of the first debates of the entire Republican field. Remember remember when it was a big Republican field? And do you, do. Do you realize that was 15 months ago? 15 months ago. I, I think I've said this, Malcolm. Our election season is ridiculously long. It's just unbelievable. 15 months ago with all those people on stage, and that's where the whole process began, and it seems like uh, the must-watch TV just continued all the way until last night. We're two weeks plus before the election I don't know if it's just me, but I got the feeling again last night that nobody knows what they're talking about. I got the feeling that um, that the, that the positions and the plans and the policies are just all over the place. Did you get that type of feeling? Well, I think it was better than the than the previous debate uh, on a lot of levels. I said I thought Sharp Trump was sharper. I thought Hillary was sharper, and I thought the moderator was sharper. So all three, I thought this was a much better debate than number two. I think it was a better debate number one. Of the three, I thought this was the best one. I think Trump actually started off very decently, but um, all anybody's going to remember was the close when he said when he did not roll out, not accepted the election, which mm-hmm. is unprecedented in American politics. I don't know. I uh, I. I... Maybe I maybe I didn't think it was an, as outrageous a statement as um, as so many others thought, and I know it became the headlines all around the world. But uh, yeah, he he so easily could have just said, you know, of course I'll accept the <laughs> I'll accept the decision of the American people, or you know, with great great exception, you know, under under every normal circumstance, ninety nine percent of the time, of course I'll accept it. He could have done that so easily. I don't know why he didn't. It just goes to show you should always leave yourself an out. Never yeah. say never, never say always, right. never give an absolute, you know, but you know, he has this idea that somehow, you know, if he keeps everybody in suspense and he keeps everybody excited, that he is going to, that's a winning formula for him. And so therefore he's everything to do to be unconventional, he's going to do. It's almost as if he, you know, in this debate, you know, he took a pill or two that kept him focused for the first half. And then he lost it, and then it wore off, because towards the end, I mean, the outburst about the nasty woman, uh, I mean, there were just a number of Trump outbursts that you just didn't need. 
And he just did, he, oh, and it goes to show along the way here, Trump's wounds are self-inflicted. It's almost, if had Hillary t- taken a vacation uh, for the last couple months, she would also be doing fine because she hasn't been running such a great campaign. She hasn't been so effective. Uh, the, the WikiLeaks emails, you know, have been generally pretty devastating. The FBI situation is pretty devastating. It would be for any other candidate. But she has basically managed to keep the focus on Trump. Actually, I should say, Trump has managed to keep the focus on Trump. Michael Fragan with us. Someone pointed out last night that uh, any of the reputable Republican candidates would, would, would likely be winning at this point. I, I, I took account the other day when I was thinking about it, probably the first night I took as we were talking about it, and I, I, I think seven at least would beat, uh, would beat Hillary pretty handily. Um, I think. I mean, I mean, when I say handily, there's no, you, you know, it's electoral, electoral college, right. not necessarily winning by 20 percentage points. Right. But I think they would have been beating her. Um, she's a very weak candidate. She's a very flawed candidate. Most of America does not like her, but most of America likes him less. Yeah, that's for sure. Michael Fragan with us via telephone. Is there anything... Now, I know that there are a lot of surprises that that could arise because plenty of surprises have, of course, uh, come forward in the last few weeks. But is there anything that we should be paying careful attention to over the next couple of weeks? Or essentially, is it over? Essentially, is this uh, going to be likely the greatest landslide since, I don't know, uh, since uh, the second Reagan election? I don't think we're headed for that. And there, the number of reasons why the country is very polarized. It's very, very, it's very, very difficult. Remember, Reagan won every state except for one, except for Mondale's home state of Minnesota. Right. So, yes, you could say that there, that it should be a landslide. It's kind of, if she falls short, it's, a, it's, you know, she's not, she doesn't have a mandate, but the country is very, very polarized. I mean, what you could see here is certain red states such as Utah, such as Georgia, such as Arizona, slipping out of the Republican column for the first time in a long time. Right. Uh, that, you know, it's not a landslide a la Reagan, and, but it, it would be, it could be a very decisive or, for the Republicans, devastating election. And it could harm the Republicans down ballot, in particular, with the Senate. I would say right now, if you had to look, Republicans are poised to lose the Senate. And it's a very difficult landscape right now with Trump at the top of the ticket. Also, every Republican right now is going to have to decide whether they're with Trump or against Trump on accepting the results of the election. Right. It's a very difficult place that he put everybody in. Um, do you think it's possible, just uh, like Arizona and Utah are now, you know, real toss-ups, if not going to the Democrats, is it possible that... You know, a state like Texas, because I heard this actually discussed last night, that a state like Texas, if things break the right way, could actually go Democratic. Is that possible, in your opinion? I, look, anything's possible in this race. I mean, is it possible that... Well, I won't, I won't go there. But I think anything is possible in this race. I don't want to play Dossier. I think it's unlikely that Texas, in the end, will vote for a Democrat. Um, you know, one of the reasons that Utah is up for grabs is because the presence of a Mormon third-party candidate, Evan McMullen, who polls very strongly, who's very well suited for Utah, and a lot of disaffected Republicans are not going to vote for Hillary, but they will vote for a guy like Evan McMullen. One of the, you know, Arizona is also a changing demographic. 
as well, you know, heavy Latino ads. You know, that, that's, that's a kind of where we're headed. Texas just doesn't have that right now. And I think it's hard to see a state as large as Texas changing in that way. Right. But, you know, you could see, I mean, the, the, what you want to look for here is, is there a single state that was competitive, that, that should have been competitive, that Trump should have won, that he's going to win? And right now, you're kind of looking at none. And remember, when we started this general election, there was this talk that Trump is going to rewrite the election map. Mm-hmm. That he's going to put states in play that were... Yeah, even New, York, even, even New York, some people dreamt about, right? Yeah, it's kind of the opposite, in right. fact, that Trump is rewriting the electoral map. But it's a, it, in a way that doesn't benefit Republicans. Yeah. He's, rewriting the, he's rewriting the electoral map in a way that benefits the Democrats, because he has alienated everybody except for white men and non-college educated white women. He polls very, very poorly every place else. Now, there are the people, there is this theory out there that all the polling is wrong and that a lot of Trump supporters are just embarrassed to be Trump supporters and they're not telling the pollsters the truth and that there's this silent majority out there of Trump supporters. Um, You know, it's probably time at this point for some of them to start coming out of the shadows uh, if he's going to have a chance of winning. Yeah, and there are probably not enough of them anyway. I, I don't believe that theory, but there is such a theory out there. I heard it in Shul this morning. Yeah, but even if it exists, I'm saying I don't even think there are enough people in that category to make a difference. Well, look, you know, one thing is turnout. I mean, remember, a one, the one thing you have to be nervous about, especially if you're Hillary and you're looking at the front runner and she's ahead, you have to be nervous about turnout. You have to be nervous that people get complacent, that people think she's headed for a landslide, as you said, of of 1984 Reagan proportions, and they say, you know what, I don't like the process anyway, I don't like her, I don't like him, it doesn't matter, so therefore I'm not going to vote. And that actually would, would make a difference if the turnout is so depressed because of the depressing nature of this general election that, that it, it, people end up not voting. Have you heard anything about the Jewish vote of note? Anything aside from what typically happens where, I don't know, somewhere between 75 and 80 percent is going to go Democratic in a national election? Is it, has you, have you learned anything about the Jewish vote in this country over the last month that's noteworthy? I think one thing that is noteworthy is the total lack of focus in you know, the, two, the three states that matter, meaning Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida, that the Trump campaign has basically put no effort, resources, or focus on the Jewish vote in those states. There's been no targeted effort whatsoever that anybody has been able to find, which is very surprising because you would think that a little bit of micro-targeting actually could swing a certain amount of voters. Obviously, we know that Hillary is not necessarily beloved in sub-segments of the Jewish community, and there are ways to go ahead and extract some votes there, but there just has been a total lack of that. There's been no Trump surrogates that have gone, you know, to court the Jewish vote. His family hasn't gone. Ivanka, who is Jewish, has not done any Jewish events. There just really hasn't been anything, which is remarkable because the Republicans had poured over last election cycles, have poured a lot of resources into those states, into the Jewish community in those states. Now, you want to take Pennsylvania out because Republicans generally don't win there, but at least Florida and Ohio, you would have figured that. To me, that is a significant story. And, you know, that could have ramifications for a Marco Rubio, um, you know, who, who might end up with less of the Jewish vote than he might otherwise have gotten.
Right. Uh, it's interesting. What you just described, I think, has had an effect on the Democratic campaign as well. I think they've also been more lackadaisical when it's come to the Jewish community, maybe because they see their opponent not taking it too seriously. Yes. I, look, if you're, if you're looking at it from a Democratic strategist point of view, you're thinking, okay, we're safe here. We're not threatened with the Jewish vote. There's nobody out there doing big Jewish events in, in Palm Beach County, in Boca Raton. Nobody's going around to the different you know, condos to Century Village to round up voters. So we don't have to worry. We, we know that, as you said, 75 to 80 percent of the Jews are reliably Democratic. Trump has his own liabilities. We'll let him, you know, we'll let him deal with that. And, yeah, I mean, there has been very little of competition for the Jewish vote. There's a lot to be written about, you know, but you know, so, much, so much of it, interestingly enough, focuses on what's going on in Israel. Yeah. And efforts to court uh, expat Jews from swing states <laughs> in Israel. I will tell you, as a campaign professional, it's a lot more expensive to do that <laughs> than to actually go... You know, if you want to go per capita expenditure, it's a lot easier to go to a single building in Miami Beach and, <laughs> and try and for Jews there than it is to go to Carnation Road to find a couple Jews there. Oh, you are so right. And boy, that really, that really sets it straight. Uh, Michael Fragan, I thank you for joining us. Spin class normally on Thursdays, everybody at 9.30 Eastern Time. Next couple of weeks going to be very exciting as we watch this uh, whole uh, election finally come to an end. And it, it, it's actually two weeks from Tuesday, two or, or you know, so think about it. It's really, really close. Election day is almost here, and it's almost over for those of you who are really at this point fed up with this entire process. I can say that again. Thank you, Michael. Have a wonderful Yontif. You too, Nachum. Thank you. Michael Fragan here on a JM in the AM uh, Thursday morning, Kol Hamoid. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This process is almost over. Unbelievable. <laughs>